We're continuing our sermon series today in the Gospel of Mark. And it's a remarkable Gospel. We believe that both Matthew and Luke used Mark as they were writing and recording their own Gospel accounts of Jesus' life. And so today, we have one of my favorite Scriptures in the entire Bible, especially about the story of Jesus. And uh, we've read about it together. Now, when you're studying the Gospel of Mark, and we've invited you to do that as we walk along through the Gospel on Sunday mornings, you'll see that Jesus is often in homes in the Gospel of Mark. Jesus spends a lot of time in people's homes. And when He's not in people's homes, He's usually surrounded by a huge crowd of people. And if you were paying attention this morning, you saw that both of those things are happening in today's Scripture. Jesus is in a home, and He's also surrounded by a huge crowd of people. And whenever two of the things that Jesus does often in Mark's Gospel occur at the exact same time, crowd and being in the home, there's a pretty good chance that something important is about to happen. And so we're told in our Scripture lesson this morning that that Jesus is in this home and that the crowd is there. In fact, there are so many people there that there is no room for anyone else. Now, I've been here a year, and so I know that I stand before a bunch of biblical scholars, and when you hear no room for them, you're probably thinking about another important story about Jesus and Jesus' life, when Joseph and the pregnant Mary go to Bethlehem, but they can't find room in a hotel. There is no room for them in the inn. But interestingly enough, Mark doesn't tell us the story about Jesus' birth. And that's probably because of what I shared with you last week. Mark is writing this Gospel, and he's writing it quickly, and he's writing it to offer a word of hope to people who are newly new Christians who are being persecuted by Rome and the Roman emperor. And so maybe it's because Mark doesn't feel like he has time to tell us about the birth of Jesus, or maybe it's because he doesn't think that it's really important in this moment. He is trying to provide hope to these Christians who are being persecuted. And so you'll have to go to the Gospel of Luke to find out about there not being any room in the end. Well, the last thing that you want to happen when you're in a room full of crowded people is what? More people to show up. And that's exactly what happens here. I mean, have you ever been in an elevator and it's just already so packed that you're feeling really claustrophobic and then the doors open and there's like five uh people standing out there, that they're frustrated because every elevator that comes is full, and so they decide they're going to try to get into your elevator, and you're like, wait a minute, stand away from the door, you know, you try to make yourself bigger than you already are, you know, you're like trying to take up more space, I mean, that's kind of how what's going on in the Scripture today, the room is so full that you can't even get through the front door of the house, and then all of a sudden, this other group group of people come. And it's, we're told that four of them, there are at least four of them, and they have a man, a paralyzed man, that they're carrying on a stretcher. 
And when they get to this house, they can't get in. And so the Scripture says that they take this paralyzed man up to the roof where they take out a piece of the roof so that they can lower this paralyzed man to Jesus. Now, can you imagine being the homeowner? And all of a sudden, somebody's up on your roof taking it apart so that they can drop this paralyzed man inside. If you read the Scripture closely, you even get the sense that this might be Jesus' home. Or it could be Peter's or some other thing. Let me tell you what, it is a good thing that Jesus is a carpenter because He just got another gig. Because... These folks took the floor, took the roof off and began to lower this man down. And can you imagine the distraction if you're one of those people in the crowd and you're there to listen to what Jesus is saying and to witness what Jesus is doing and, and, and you're trying to pay attention, but, but all of a sudden there's this distraction that's keeping you from being able to focus completely on Jesus. And the distraction is coming in the form of, of pieces of the roof pelting you upside the head. I mean, it's... Have you ever been in a movie theater and you're really trying to watch the movie, but there are people around you that are so distracted that it finds it difficult for you to concentrate? At the very least, that's what's happening in our Scripture lesson this morning. And that makes me wonder, how in the world did these people get on the roof with a paralyzed man on a stretcher anyway? I mean, did they develop some sort of pulley system? Did they have a ladder? Or maybe there were some steps that led up to the roof. I don't care if it was steps. Just imagine trying to lug some big old guy on a stretcher up a flight of stairs to get to the roof. It would not have been easy, regardless of the method that they used, for these four people to get that paralyzed man up there. And then, where did they lower him? After, you know, if it was really that full of people. I mean, where did they lower Jesus when they got the hole in the roof? I mean, did people have to kind of step back for the man to get down? You know how you people are that make it in the front of the line ahead of the rest of them. You're not going anywhere. You're just standing here like this. You're like, nah, you're not getting here, buddy. You're going to have to go somewhere else. But, but maybe they did step back. And, and maybe when they stepped back, that meant that the people who were standing at the door that were the last ones to get in to see Jesus and to hear Jesus, that all of a sudden they had to step out of the house and they couldn't hear anymore. I wonder how it is. Mark doesn't tell us any of this information. And I wonder, how long had these for known the man that they brought to Jesus? I mean, had they known him a long, long time? Was he like a brother to them? Was he a part of their family? Or is it somebody that maybe they were just on their way to see Jesus because they'd heard of what Jesus was saying and doing and they, they saw a paralyzed man just lying uh, by the road and, and they were so moved by this man's need and so aware that, that the person that they were going to see might be able to help this man that they offered to take him. Again, we just don't know. 
I could imagine, though, that when they got there and they saw some of the obstacles that they were going to have to encounter in order to to get this man at the feet of Jesus, that it would have been really easy just to give up and go home. You know, they could have just said, hey, we tried. Sorry, buddy. You know, we didn't realize that the place was going to be packed. Uh, It'd be rude to cut in front of people and and to try to get you near the front. Uh, The homeowner probably wouldn't like it if we walk up or take you up to the roof and begin to dismantle the roof in order to let you down. I mean, uh, and then what if we dropped you? I mean, you better off to be a paralyzed man than a dead paralyzed man. I mean, you know, lots of stuff could go wrong here. And, and, and you could have just imagined these four people saying, you know what, I, 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 you know, we tried, but there are just too many obstacles, just too many excuses, too many reasons why we can't do it. And it wouldn't be hard for me to imagine those excuses because I make them all the time. And I bet you do too. I bet there are times when you are aware of needs and, and in, in our community, in our church, and in our world, and, and, and yet you can see that there's some potential obstacles there. And so like me, you start making up all these excuses of why God's not asking me to do that or why maybe somebody else is more equipped to do that. And, and so uh, those are oftentimes some of the things that you and I wrestle with. You know, maybe Jesus is going to show up again and do this at some other time. Maybe, maybe we can get there earlier next time and get a good seat. Or, or maybe we can do like some of y'all do when we do one service. You come in, you put all your bulletins down on the pew because you don't want anybody to sit there. Maybe, maybe, maybe we could do that. You know, if Jesus is coming back, we'll just get somebody to put some bulletins down and we'll save our seats so that the next time He's here, then we'll be able to help. We will have eliminated some of the obstacles. I just wonder, is there an obstacle or a need uh, that you have been making excuses for not offering to help? And and I wonder if today, maybe the take-home from this text is for you and I to think about some of those needs in our church and in our community and perhaps say, this time, I'm going to do like those four friends and I'm going to do whatever I can to help, to overcome the obstacles, to place this person or this situation at the feet of Jesus. And it might be helping with project transformation this week and and sitting uh, with children in our community that are below reading levels and and just reading to them for a few hours. Maybe that's the obstacle of the need that you could help meet. Or, or maybe it's to be a volunteer and help out with our youth ministries here at the church or our children's ministries here at the church. Or, or maybe it's to give up a Saturday every once in a while and help with our furniture ministry. Or maybe it's to, to help our disaster response team that is no doubt going to be called into action in light of uh, Hurricane Barry that hit yesterday uh, morning. Uh, Maybe it's a special offering for a family like the one in our church, the Bimson family, who has a child that's very, very sick, and and no doubt there are going to be needs, financial and otherwise, that we can help meet. There are so many opportunities uh, in our lives to see a need and to be willing to to try to help them overcome those obstacles, to try to help them place, uh, be placed at the feet of 
Jesus. Let me be so bold as to encourage you to think about, is there a need around me that I might be able to meet? Because I can assure you that 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 man on that stretcher in our story today was so grateful that there were people who were willing to try to help him overcome the obstacles that he faced in order to place him at the feet of Jesus. And you might have the same kind of opportunity to do the same kind of thing in our world today. There are no shortage of needs, but there often are a shortage of people who are willing to respond to those needs. So maybe that's the take home for us today. Well, the favorite part of the story for me is the... um, This is not the favorite part, but it leads to the favorite part. This, This guy that's paralyzed, probably because it was the prevailing thought of the day, he probably thought that his suffering, that his paralysis was the result of some sin that he had committed in his life. And Jesus no doubt knew about that when Jesus decided to not only heal him, but also to forgive him. And the favorite part of the story for me is that we are told that Jesus said when He saw the faith of the four who brought the paralyzed man to Him, He forgave and He healed the paralyzed man. And it's my favorite part of this story because I don't know if this has been true for you, but there have been people in my life that I have prayed for over and over and over again. Many of the times, these people weren't aware that I were praying for them. Many of the times, these people might not have thought that they were in need of prayer. They might not have thought that they needed help. They might not have even wanted help. But God just placed a burden on my heart to pray faithfully, to to faithfully place these people or these situations before the throne of God, at the feet of Jesus. And what this story does is that it gives me hope. We're not told whether this man believed that he could be healed or whether he wanted to be healed. We're not told whether he believed he needed forgiveness or whether he wanted forgiveness. What we are told is that when Jesus saw the faith of those who were intent on placing him at the feet of Jesus, he said to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven. Get up and walk. So don't give up on praying for those that you're concerned about. Don't give up about praying for situations. And and make yourself available to be a part of overcoming whatever obstacles are in uh, place so that these people might experience and, and situations might experience forgiveness and healing. One last point I'd like to make today is that there's probably some of us here this morning that feel a lot less like the four that brought the man to Jesus and more like the man who was paralyzed. Because you and I know that paralysis comes in lots of different forms. 
And we can be paralyzed by fears and anxieties. We can be paralyzed because we've lost our job or because a loved one has died or because a relationship has ended or because we've got a, a, a terrible medical condition and situation that's creating anxiety and fear and concern in our lives. And, and, and sometimes when we're in that role of being paralyzed, sometimes we, when, when we feel like we're just stuck and we can't move, we're too proud to allow people to help us. We're too proud to accept the help that's being offered to us. We're intent on trying to weather this storm all by ourselves. And so if that applies to you this morning, I'd just like to simply invite you to accept the help that's being offered to you. And sometimes it's also going to require us being willing to help ourselves. To swallow our pride and to just suck it up and to receive the help that someone else is offering and to realize that we could change things in our own situations that might also help bring about healing and forgiveness. So would you consider that the take-home for you today? My hope and my prayer is that we will respond to the needs of our community not with excuses, not by looking at the obstacles and walking away, but by being willing to tackle the obstacles in the hopes that something or someone could be placed at the feet of Jesus and receive healing and forgiveness in only the ways in all the ways that Jesus can